misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. back my friends into the show that never ends welcome back to another episode of rock isn't dead it's just sleeping with yours truly willie white bread and mark audio slave this motherfucker it is uh it's been a raunchy ass week mark has kept me up well past my bedtime it is 10 22 tomorrow is the 4th of july are you kidding me right now dude will you please take your panties off for one minute and just enjoy the the blissfulness of our podcast i know i love it so much but i'm so tired (laughs) Um, so last week we talked a little bit about the uh 50s blues i wouldn't call it a movement the 50s blues the birth of the rock yeah the birth of rock and roll into you know what we know today as the 60s beatles you know rolling stones billy or buddy holly all that kind of shit all of the so we're going to move forward a little bit, and we're going to go into the 70s, and what a beautiful era it was. Oh, man. How was the 70s, Oh, Mark? man. I don't, you know, I was... Uh, Six? I, no, I, I was born in 75, so yeah, yeah you know, I was, uh, I was, you know, 79, I was, what, four or five years old? Yeah, so you had a little bit of, like, the weird toaster and, like, weird wallpaper type oh, shit on the walls. Oh, yeah, you know. And stuff like that. It was back in the days when, you know, your dad wasn't afraid to give you a sip of beer, you know, you know after dinner. And yeah. You weren't afraid to take it. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, I, I tried to give my son a sip of beer when he was like eight years old. And he's like, no, daddy, I don't want it. It's gross. It's beer. So I'm like, oh, you know. It's beer. Hooray, beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said but, back. But me at 79, I was like, sure. Budweiser, baby. I think that's actually the first beer I ever tried, too. Yeah, it wasn't for me, too. Budweiser. Yeah, my dad was a big Bud fan. Yeah, my dad was a big everything with an alcohol content fan. My dad's he was a big fucking Peach Schnapps fan if it was, if it was the only thing on the table. Are you, oh well, yeah, yeah, you know whatever. He's Kitty Dukakis with the isotope rubbing alcohol. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, that was a lot. But uh, so anyway, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about it. So what are we what are we thinking when we think 1970s? What are we thinking about? Man, we're thinking about you know anything from Zeppelin to Leonard Skinner yeah. to the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. I mean, there's there's yeah. so many great bands. The Stones were big back then. The Beatles. Yeah. You had Floyd, you know, at the at the pinnacle of their career with, with yeah. Dark Side, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was just, you know, they were doing a live from Italy, you know, the Pink Floyd, you know, uh, video. Yeah, it was such a great time for for rock music. I yeah. mean, you know, it's funny because uh, these days my son he wants to watch uh, that '70s show on uh, on Netflix that's on there right now, and you know, we watch pretty much every season. And it's and you know they they go through all the same bands, man, and it's just like kind of like reliving that era, you know, because yeah. it's just you know you had Black Sabbath, you know ACDC, you had Queen, you had you know the Doors, you know were huge, you know, I mean, and then today, I think you posted on our on our uh, Facebook page that today was the. Uh, the day that Jim Morrison was found in, in yeah, in, that was today, man. Yeah, that was today. That's today, um, I the, think it was nineteen seventy July, July third. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was in France when I was about nineteen with my family. Mm-hmm. We were at a laundromat um, in Paris, and um, I knew where I was. And it, it, believe it or not, it was before GPSs were a thing. Believe it or not, no, I believe it for sure. And uh, <laughs> I knew where I was from a map, from a real map, live yeah. map. So. Um, 
uh, I knew I was around the corner from the cemetery where, where Jim Morrison was buried. So uh, I said to my mother, I was like, hey, you know, can I kind of skip out for just a few minutes? You know, How old were you at this point? I was 15. Oh, you know, so, oh yeah. You but knew. it was literally rare. You knew. It was literally like a street yeah, down. And she was yeah. like, well, okay, I'll, I'll wait for the clothes to dry and you go check out what you want to see. Yeah, yeah. So like I went down there and I saw the grave and man, it was decimated. It was, it was like desecrated, probably. It was, it just was shit everywhere. Lipstick on him, and a fucking lizard oh, paint painted on every yeah, inch of his body. Yeah, there was spray paints and all. You, 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 there, there was a, it was like an, it was like a, uh, a bust of his head. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it was just demolished. You know, yeah. it was. But I thought that was the coolest thing ever. You I know, think, being I his, think his they've grave. since moved his grave because of that actual reason, because it was drawing so many people into the oh. cemetery and they were partying okay. and like breaking beer bottles and just doing what fucking, it was probably all Americans too. It really was probably, probably all Americans probably. going over there. I was, I was young. So, I mean, this, yeah. this is back in like probably the mid nineties. So yeah, back in the good old no, days. Actually before that, probably the early nineties is yeah. when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I Paris I, is a clean city though, man. Compared to New York yeah. City, Paris, you know, you walk outside of your hotel in the morning in Paris, everybody's sweeping up their their stoops and everybody's like, yeah. you know, just, you know, cleaning up stuff. In New York, uh-uh. Well, that's kind of the it difference. Sinks like that's, that's the difference between like Americans and Europe, dude. Fucking crap on a yeah. fucking bagel in it was New the York. same thing when i went and visited uh canada i was up there li- uh, listening to some shows i was up there for work and i went to a few shows and all these kind of things man and it was just the cleanest fucking city i've ever seen and everybody was the sweetest person like i was sitting there looking confused as fuck i remember being on a street corner i was super hungover blasted from the night before i watched some punk band play earlier that or yeah, later that night and uh and I was sitting there looking real confused, obviously looking like I'm not from there. And some dude like ran across, like crossed the main street and ran over to me, just said, "Hey man, you look lost. Can I help you find something?" And I'm like, <laughs> I was just waiting for the punchline, like you want some fucking money or like this guy's gonna stab me in my shit. And no, he was just like, "Okay, yeah, well, cool, right? uh, you're looking over there." I was like, "Yeah, I need a fucking pancake and a Bloody Mary." And he's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna want to go around the corner to such and such restaurant. Have a great day." And I was like. God you know, damn. I worked the 96 Olympics in Atlanta and I was from New Jersey, you know, and so like I came down to Atlanta to work through the the, the games and um we it was like 3 a.m. We were we were down there watching the torch guy run through the mm. the center of the city, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was it was late. It was like 3 in the morning when 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 the, you know, we were like in our campsite and people were like, "Wake up, wake up. It's time to go see the torch." We're like, "What the fuck are you talking about? It's 3 o'clock in the morning." No, no, no. no. Downtown. They they're, they're running the torch through downtown right now. So we went down there, blah blah blah. We saw the guy run past us and shit. And then so right after that, we were walking back to our campsite from downtown and there was like some dude across the street like, hey, how y'all doing today, tonight, guys? Are you doing all right? And we were like, what the? You know, that doesn't happen in the Northeast. You right, know, you, right, you don't, right. You don't, and then he was just trying to be friendly at 3 a.m. You know, I, I thought I was taken back by that. Yeah. You know, I thought the Southern hospitality thing was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of Southern hospitality, we're in Jacksonville. And one of the biggest bands of the 70s was Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. They were from Jacksonville. Yeah, but yeah that, that always confused me, kind of like that. That Sweet Home Alabama song, that whole song kind of confused me. Well, have you ever seen that documentary on uh, Netflix about Muscle Shoals, Alabama? Uh-uh. Okay, so there, there was a recording studio in Alabama in, in near a town called Muscle Shoals. And so okay. supposedly a lot, a lot, a lot of artists have, have recorded in the studio. Like, yeah. um, I'm talking like... Uh, uh, Jeez, okay. Almond Brothers, uh, oh, Steve, whole... Stevie Nicks. Mm. I mean, there, there, there's tons and tons of real big, you know, mm-hmm. like recording artists. So, 
these guys decide to go, Leonard Skinner decides to go to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, because yeah. there's a river there that flows right by the studio, and supposedly the, the river is magical, and da-da-da-da, and, you know, it helps you flow the music, and all that stuff, so they're, um, they're in there recording, and that was the album, you know, for Sweet Home Alabama, and they had these studio musicians in there helping them. The do, al- yeah, yeah, and, Girls. And, and, you know, and certain, actually certain instrument stuff, too, Yeah, you know, yeah, and, you know, so... Uh, if you listen to Sweet Home Alabama, you'll hear about in the third verse in, you'll hear, uh, in muscle shows the call the Swampers. Uh. So the Swampers were the studio musicians in Muscle Shoals where they were recording Sweet Home mm. Alabama. That's why they said Sweet Home Alabama because they were there so long recording this album. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the story behind that. And I always kind of, that that's actually, I've always wondered where that come from. Yeah. There's a lot of like Watch weird Muscle little... Shoals documentary. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. There's a weird, a lot of little weird cameos in that song. Like when he talks about Neil Young. Yeah, and yeah. I hope Neil Young will remember. Yeah. Simple man, don't need him around anyhow. I thought that was really interesting because I, and I researched that a little bit and neil young had actually did some talking about alabama okay yeah and that's what in one of his songs and so skinner ronnie van zant came came back with that and i always thought that was interesting like they had a little family feud or a little feud or something like that but they actually didn't they were really good friends and so i I, I I didn't know that yeah they were really good friends like neil young and uh and at that time i think when skinner wrote that song and they were i think when they came out with that song i think neil young was recording with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Because mm-hmm. it was, for a little bit of time there, it was, for an album at least, it was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Right, You right, know, and yeah. I think that's, because then they were, because they were talking about that, um, leading to Neil Young a little bit. Not my favorite. His earlier stuff's really great. And which is interesting too, because I really, I'm not a big country guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I like, um, you know, I like George Strait and a couple of his songs and things no, like that. I'm, I like not, the older... I'm not that big in the country myself. I, I, I enjoy it every now and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Mock my dog died yesterday. Yeah, dogs, tractors, my lady left me, all this bull. <laughs> but the same old song and dance. But his earlier, Neil Young's earlier stuff, and the stuff that he did with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, that was that was pretty primo shit. Um, but what they were talking about, I don't know if you've ever read the story, is I, it was up in Ohio. They had this big, uh, big anti-war rally. I think it was at, like, Kent University. Kent. Right? Yeah, Kent yes. University. And... Uh, and f- like they brought out the Army National Guard in Ohio and yeah. actually shot four kids, mm-hmm. killed four college kids. Yeah. Holy oh, yeah. shit, dude! Yeah, my wife's dad. She he went to Kent University. Really? Yeah, and he he wasn't there. I think it was after he went there that that, that happened. Yeah, he's old. <laughs> right, he's old. Right. So that that's kind of interesting too because that. That to me is kind of like the basis of the night, the basis of the nineteen seventies, and kind of where that music stemmed from. Is because almost it's almost similar to what you see through the ages. You know, as a, as you read a little bit more about what was going on in the late sixties and the seventies. You know, obviously you had Vietnam, you had Richard Nixon, which wasn't a popular fan favorite. You, you know, what the, there was there a lot of there was a lot of young people in those times coming coming you know through the music even yeah to, that's what i to, mean to 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 stand for what they believe that was in their expression against the government right you know and talking about not you know not necessarily against but you know what they believe in you know for the politics of that time right today we don't have that well that's what i mean that's, like there's no the music, the music has no no yeah. connection with with politics these days yeah there's I no mean, content there's no connection with really anything yeah in music now it's just a bunch of synthesized over remixed because almost everything you hear on the radio nowadays except for what was that band we were talking about earlier earlier that i really liked the my name is human oh yeah um what was it? hybrid theory 
No, is that no, them? no, that wasn't them. No, no. I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. Um, but anyway, that's. I think that was a huge fuel. And the, the what was going on at that time is very similar to what we have going on now. But the cool part about the 1970s is, you know, like I said, you had the Vietnam thing going on. You had Richard Nixon going on. You had the, you know, the Watergate shit going on. All these different things going on. Excuse me. Highly suspect. Highly suspect. That's yeah. them. Great band, by the way, if you yeah. guys haven't heard of really, those. Really, really good band. I think they're they're pretty talented. Dying to see them live. Yeah, I think they're a pretty talented group of musicians. Um, but the interesting thing time or interesting thing about that time in the in the late sixties and seventies, or even the you know the mid sixties and and seventies, is people people were getting together from you know different races black folks yeah. white folks yeah, asian was, folks and they were getting together like you said they all had that same they had the connection they were all listening to the same mutual records connection right yeah they were all listening to the same records and it brought them together and they all had this you know the unity. same they, yeah, were, they were unified yeah they were unified through synergy with music right you know and that's a beautiful thing right and and as we mark and i were talking a little bit earlier offline and the the bands back then, you know, your your Peter Framptons, your Pink Floyds, your, you know, Beatles, your Springsteens, your Zeppelins, like all these guys, your David Bo David Bowie's huge in it. But they weren't afraid to take giant leaps. You know what I mean? Like they weren't it's afraid funny because to shock you, rock. you named just about ninety percent British guys. <laughs> well, the British movement, dude. They were they were yeah huge. Well, they were hungry, man. They were hungry for yeah. that fame. They were hungry for the fortune. They just, yeah. They wanted to be recognized and, and and hey, you know, they had a lot of talent. So I mean, yeah. they had a lot to give. So yeah, you know, um, was Janis Joplin? She was American. Yeah, she was from Texas. Yeah, Janis was from Texas, and interestingly enough, man, she she has a very I hate to keep bringing him up. You can obviously see I love him. He, she has a very Kurt Cobain-y childhood. Hey. Yeah. Hey. She has a very <laughs> Kurt Cobain-y story. Very introverted human being. Uh, she was she was very, very upset and very worried about her self-image. You know what I mean? Very, very concerned about her self-image. She would do the same sh kind of shit that those... I, I'm, I'm, you know, I won't even say Kurt Cobain. Those type of introverted very intellectually deep kind of semi bothered poetic musicians. They all from, they, from a tragic yeah, upbringing from a Well, either that or a tragic, a misunderstood upbringing. Right. Hers wasn't so much tragic. Hers was cause you know, back in the 1970s, this was during the wartime. This was still in the very much the, the hard nose pleated slacks, well, baby, I'm home from work. Can you grab me a beer, please? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what will we be having for dinner? What time? I'm going to go get in my recliner, sit back, and uh, by the way, you can blow me later if you would like to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very much still those kind of hard-nosed, kind of, you know, one-directional patriarchal homes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of what she grew up in, in that. And she was very, you know, introverted, extroverted, very eccentric, and, and back in those times, that wasn't accepted. You know, now in 2019, you can identify as a fucking Cheeto and you're accepted and you'll get Cheeto benefits. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Whatever. But back in those times, that was politically correct on top of it. Right, 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 right. And see, back in those times, that wasn't a thing. So to be eccentric. Oh, such great times back then. Right. I wish I was there. But very like to be like introverted, extroverted, poetic, you know, kind of brooding back then and very into music. That wasn't anything. No, no, that wasn't worth a shit. You know, that wasn't going to fly. You, you, know, you had Jim Morrison's and, you know, well, you, you got to don't, don't forget, though, Janis Joplin has one of those most unique voices oh my ever God. to hit the stage, you oh know, especially God. for that time and time period. You know, it's just, it was, she was just yeah raging on that stage. I oh, mean, my God. 
Yeah. There was a girl this past year, I don't know if you saw her, on America's Got Talent. Mm-mm. This girl, she was probably like 12 or 13 years old, and she had the voice of Janis Joplin. Really? I mean, she was freaking baby, great. Baby, baby, Look baby. it up on YouTube, whatever you got to do. But she was amazing. Yeah, yeah. She 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 made it to like the top 10. Yeah. Really? Yeah, she was awesome, man. But see, people don't want to hear that shit anymore. But it was it was comes from a young person. Right. You know, you know. people like us, like yeah. big music fans, yeah. we're like Jones and we're over here jerking it in the corner like, fuck yes, keep singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we're, we're used to hearing the fucking bullshit. But uh, so anyway, with her, like she, and, and see with her influences too, we just got into it last last episode about the big blues influences and that stuff like that. Her big influences were all blues. Top two being Otis Redding and Aretha Franklin. Okay. That was her shit. That's what she loved. And you can see those you can see that coming out in her voice in her voice yeah, and how the way she sings. She was kind of she was she was very melodic and slow, you know, when when it came to the, the delivery of her voice, you know, she wanted to have that slowness noticed in her yeah. voice, you know. So she, until it was time. Yeah. And then the, and she got that gr- that Janice scream going that oh, wow, yeah, yeah, all that yeah. banshee wail that that girl did. I don't know how vocal cords even do that shit. Hey man. Props to Janice, dude. Yeah, and uh, she she uh, also I think one big defining point in in her breakout in music and like her her wonderful and whimsical and dramatic focus towards music came from her college days because she was in college for a while uh, and she was voted well every every month the college paper would come out with the ugliest man in college segment oh, she and got a bunch number, of girls she got number one right yeah a bunch of girls fucking put her she in she wasn't for, nothing to look at oh, she wasn't she was, a britney spears oh no, she was ugly as sin son <laughs> that girl was ugly as sin but still though like with but, somebody like that or like Kurt then Cobain, she found her her look and her facade and her group oh, well, yeah. which was the hippies you know yeah. she was the hippies so back in those days there was the hippies and then there was what was called the Rockies. Yeah. You know, so like the Rockies were kind of like the greasers of the 50s. And then you had the hippies, you know, which, you know, of, of course, they weren't the socials of the 50s. But, you know, th- those are the two groups that you had. And the, yeah, I guess you had like you, you still had socials, which were like the nerd, nerdy kind of guys. Yeah. So like, you know, she was definitely part of that whole flower child Woodstock. I mean, she was in Woodstock, for God's sakes. She was. But before that, though, she was in that Monterey Pop Festival. Okay. That's that's what broke her out of things. That Monterey Pop Festival in '67. That's what really because she was with the what was it Big Big Brothers and the Holding Company. Yeah. I think it was. That's what she was in. Mark, sorry, Mark's going to fucking fumigate the room right now. He's got a douche fluted out real quick. Um, but yeah, she was. Uh, that was that was their big break because uh, you know you know I I don't know I don't remember if they had a record deal at the time or not. I think they had a record deal, but they weren't doing a whole lot. But when they got invited to do that Monterey Pop Festival, that's when they really, really came to the top because now, they were. Do you know anybody else in that building from the from the Monterey Pop? Yeah, yeah, they were play. They played with Jimi Hendrix, uh, Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, The Who, Otis Redding. They they were all there, man. You know. That would have been a spectacular. I lineup. think James Brown was there too. Oh my god, I love James Brown, dude. That's fucking, get up, that take was, it to the bridge. Yeah, that was fucking insane. And during, I remember too. Uh, reading that during that festival, they actually recorded it. They recorded it, and Janice, like like for a movie or like a live live DVD, because back in those times too, like live albums were fucking huge back then. Like everybody, like Frampton comes alive, and you know the Wall live, and the Great Gig in the Sky, and all these different kind of albums. They were fucking huge. Everybody wanted to do a live album, but oh, yeah, yeah. Janice didn't want to do it. She was like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm not gonna do it." And so they played the first set. I think it was on like a Saturday they played. 
and they didn't get recorded and the crowd because they they weren't really well well known at the time yeah and the crowd reacted so well to her that they basically went back and the director whoever i forget his name that was directing the film came back and essentially begged her to say, hey man, please get this on camera, and she did, and it actually turned out to be a fan fucking tastic thing. So that was kind of their little little breakout yeah. moment with Janice yeah. before that's, that's all cool. the drugs and the and the going self titled. She broke away from you know Big Drinking Brother. Four bottles of wine a night. Oh, more than that, I'm sure. Um, but also during that time, she was dating Pigpen of the Grateful Dead, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what every woman just you know transpires to you know that's what they all want to do they want to date a guy named Pigpen. hey he right? was still in the grateful dead yeah he was in the Gra- i don't i don't really like the grateful dead very much no, you know they're not bad oh jerry yeah. garcia yeah, all those guys you have to be in a certain frame of mind i guess for them yeah like dead um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dead. But, but but you know they they had their you know they were very pioneeric is that a word pioneeric yeah, well, you yeah, now it is. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, now it is. Now it is. Right. So anyway, that's that's the, my little spiel on Janis Joplin. I, I have a as, and we're going to do an episode on powerful female singers, hopefully sooner rather than later, because that is my that is my absolute shit. I absolutely will jizz my pants to a powerful female vocalist, because I I have a theory. You know, one of many of my mm-hmm. many theories yeah. that there is nothing that will cut your soul in half like a powerful female voice. Oh man. You know what I mean? You're making me think of Lita Ford for some reason. Yeah, Lita yeah, Ford, dude. Her and, her and Ozzy. Maria Brink, Janice, uh, Stevie, Ann uh, Wilson. Yeah. Joan Jett, dude, all yeah, those yeah. chicks, Lizzie man. Hale, you know, today. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is nothing in this world. And a lot of them came out of the 70s too. Like Ann Wilson, oh, god, god damn yes. it. You know, Grace Slick came out, you know. Yeah. Well, like, she was 60s, I guess, but either whatever. But she went into the 70s. Yeah, like Aretha Franklin. Dude, fuck Jesus Christ. Elvis Fitzgerald, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a a weird complex that men have in their brain that they like when a when a woman seems like she's in distress. Mm-hmm. We team like we have a little sp- dee, 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 little spider sense thing going on, and we yeah. pay more attention. I know I do. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. Like yeah. if your wife's crying or, or something, oh, you're gonna yeah, focus. Yeah. Like if if I'm if I started gotta, crying right gotta now, gotta fix this before I play Call of Duty. You right, fix right, this. right. If I started crying right now, you'd elbow me in the face and say, "Fucking suck yeah, a dick and eat a Cheeto." Like, yeah, yeah, you're done. But if you're you know your wife starts crying, or even if you see like a girl crying on the side of the road, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, that makes me feel horrible." And that's why nah, I think you know what I passed a couple of those up. Ah, no, see, I can't do that, man. Well, you know, one was kind of weird. She was like in her, her bra and underwear, and it was, it was real late at night. And, well, that's the best one. And she was like, help me, help me. I was like, I got to go. Yeah, fuck this bitch. And then the second Where? time, these girls, like, you know, <laughs> they went off the side of the road and like smacked into like a, not not hard, but they, they smacked into a tree and they're like, help me, help me. I'm like, got to go. <laughs> what? <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like they were hurt. They just like. How do you know? Because, okay, in my neighborhood, there's a hump. On this one road, and the hump, if you're not paying attention, <laughs> will put you off the side of the road. And so they they must have been inexperienced. They hit the hump, and then they just, you know, kind of tapped the tap the tree. They tapped the tree. That's what right. if what if their head tapped the steering wheel and they were hey, all I was late up. for work. Okay, there was oh, no way Mark. I had time. They were fine. They both of them were fine. Oh, Mark, you make me sad. The, the girl sometimes. that was in her underwear, I don't know if she was fine. She was fucked up. It could have been like a like a wrong turn situation or something. You might have got like Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre or something. Yeah, but it, I don't know, man. It was, anyway, yeah. I, I digress. So, but yeah, like like I said, one of my many theories: there's nothing that'll cut you down to your soul quicker than a powerful female voice, at least for me. And a lot of them came out of the '60s and '70s. Uh, you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac. 
Jesus oh, Christ. That's God jumping says. forward to like mid late 70s. I mean, but no, not Fleetwood Mac, but Fleetwood Mac. So we, with were, ta- Stevie. we were talking about Muscle Shoals mm-hmm. as a really, really good documentary if you guys haven't seen it. Right. But then there's also Sound City, which Ooh. is the other really, know really City. good uh, documentary that, yeah. that, that you can watch. And I think that's one that might be on Amazon, Sound yeah. City. I think they're but, still around, one of the only full analog, real to real recording no, studios in the country. David Grohl bought that soundboard. He bought it. Did he really? He did. He's got it in his house. Wow. Yeah. He, he records. Dave Grohl would have that. Food Fighters crap on it. I remember, I think I watched something about that. Like, he invited a bunch of people over in his garage. He had it in, like, his garage set up or something. And he was, I, he was re- recording yeah, a bunch of shit with a I, lot of I different mean, musicians. I wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. um, I know I know for a fact that David Grohl brought, bought Sound City's soundboard when, yeah. they, when they were doing their little auction deal. Yeah. But great documentary, guys. Yeah. Can't stress it enough. But the 70s, like we were talking Nirvana, about. Nirvana did Nevermind there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of Fleetwood Mac, you know, going yeah. on. In, in, was it? I heard some City. weird rumor about Fleetwood Mac that how they found Stevie. Like, Stevie was working there as like a, like a temp or something like yeah. that. Or she was like cleaning up the studio and they're right. like, hey, this chick can sing. Right. And they needed like backup vocals on a track. And then that's how and she pulled her in there and like, like right. fucking freaked out. Yes. I think, was that, is there any truth to that? Yeah, is that, is I, that I valid? Think, I think that's how it went. Yeah. If I, if I remember the, 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 the movie right. That's, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, definitely watch it guys. But so yeah, man, like back, back in the seventies, like the psych, I'm not even talking so much about the psychedelic rock movement. Cause that's a different portion, but these, these bands, these Rolling Stones, you know, the John Lennon's, even the Velvet Underground came out with a couple things, you know, all these, all these different bands, Skinner, they, they were all doing these very shock rock type things that have never been seen before. Oh, especially Alice Cooper. Oh my God. He was like, yeah. you know, the godfather for, for Marilyn Manson yeah. and Guar and all that. School's crap. out for summer. I think they yeah, came out in yeah. 1972. Coming on stage with these giant freaking props and yeah. guillotines chopping his head off. Yeah. And, you know, he was definitely a pioneer for that whole genre. That's such cool shit to me, Shock man. rock. That's so. That's just such cool shit. And and let's not forget because a lot of these different bands also from the seventies were segues into other stuff. Yeah. You know, like Bowie, he started the the glam rock genre of music started with Dave Bowie. Oh, Ziggy yeah. fucking started for for sure, for sure. Yeah, like the it, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. I'm not a, a gigantic Bowie fan. I like him. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's just so cool to me that cuz nowadays that's what we were talking about. Nowadays there no it, it feels like the like music industry and these bands they have a they have a very specific it's almost like a like a checkoff sheet. Are you like this? Can we make you like this? Okay. Well, you're hired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, these guys yeah. back then, they didn't even know who to fucking hire. Frampton right. gets on there with his homemade voice box thing and they're like shitting all over the floor, you know, or like <laughs> yeah. kiss. They've got fucking action figures. You know what I mean? For God's mm-hmm. sakes, they're making like little shitty hente cartoons. I mean, like, you know, I'll tell you what, as, as a guitar player in this day and age, if you use a voice box, you know, you're either going to be recognized as a Frampton player or a, you know, John Bon Jovi, Rich, Richie Sambora type. type yeah. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. Cause you don't know anybody else that that's using that voice box besides yeah. those guys, you know? Yeah. So like, I've looked at the voice boxes. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to have one of those voice boxes because they're cool. They have like a little, they, they go onto your pedal board and they have like a little tube that comes out of the side of it. And then you hook it up to your mic stand. And then when you want to use it, you just click on the pedal and blow into the tube. And then, you, and then you're getting that voice steal. But then it sounds like Frampton every single time. It sounds like Frampton. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mike and I, one of our mutual friends, it was actually, we were down there in Miami and I actually passed up a chance to see... 
Peter Frampton, and it kind of bums me out. The audio slave just ran to the potty. I can I can hear him pulling down his pants and sitting on his butt donut in there in the toilet. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, so you had those different those different little segues in 1970, 1970s rock. You know, you had we mentioned the huge British acts. You know, your Deep Purples, your Led Zeppelins, your Queens, your Nazareths, your Sabbath, all these different things. And then you had your American rock stuff, like the big shock rock type things, Alice Cooper's and your Blue Oyster Colts and your Van Halen's and all these things. And you also had your different arena rock bands. You know, like you had Who, Heart, Sticks, Boston, Kansas, Foreigner, Journey. Heart is definitely one of those bands that is kind of like underrated completely because they're so talented. Heart, to me, is like one of the heartbeats of, of, of that pun intended. That, that time. That, well, well, yeah. Nancy Wilson, she could play the fuck out of that guitar. Oh, God. Both those girls are freaking yeah. phenomenal. And I you think know. with them, too, I think it's also insane that that they... Not, not not so much insane, but they back in those times too, when they came out, you had a lot of people standing by going like, God, girls don't do this. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. They're like these these sounds don't they come were, out of girls. Talk about pioneers. I mean, Janice Joplin came on the scene in the sixties and they were like, Ooh, look at her. But then when Har came out and they were just like these great instrumentalists and they had like such great harmonizing, you know, techniques with, with each other. I mean, it was just holy fucking shit. Heart. Yeah. Heart. You know, yeah. Joan Jett had a very big, you know, you unique know. sound. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she was as powerful as Anne no. Wilson, but she still had a very unique sound. Yeah. Yeah. You but, know, and, that, and but come was, on, Barracuda, dude. I mean, oh, oh my God, God that's, dude. That's one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah. And the intros to their song, Nancy Wilson, she's one of my favorite guitar players. I will tell you that. One of my favorite acoustic guitar players. Okay. She's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, you had those guys, and then you had um, we we talked a little bit about the the we're talking enough about the Doors. We're talking about the '70s and Zeppelin. Oh, dude, we I haven't mean, even got there yet, dude. I, I I know. I'm just saying, like those guys are just okay. well, Zeppelin. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. They're they're. <laughs> I was gonna talk a little bit. I was gonna jump back to the uh, the Southern Rock Cats because uh, I think Almond Brothers. Oh, I was that was right about to come out of my mouth, dude. Mm-hmm. Dwayne fucking Almond. Yeah. Have you have you ever like real? I'm sure you have. Like if you guys have never sat there, because the the story that happened to Dwayne Allman was absolutely fucking insane. The dude was talk about the Twenty Seven Club, you know, the the Amy Winehouses, Jimi Hendrix, and all those kind of guys and gals, and you know, Kurt Cobain, whatever. That motherfucker got died in a in a motorcycle accident at twenty four years old. That's crazy. Dwayne Allman, and he was an absolute raped ape of a fucking guitar player. I mean, sad man. It probably just, one of the best of that time. I think. look at Randy Rhodes. Yeah, you know, it just it happens, dude. You know? It's but, insane. And then uh, Stevie, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's insane, man. But uh, yeah, Dwayne Allman, like that whipping post, whipping post, that yeah. song. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, a lot. I think a lot of them they wrote their stuff with Dickie Betts. Uh, you know, Dwayne and Dickie Betts wrote a lot of that stuff. But still, I mean, don't forget speaking here in Jacksonville, Molly Hatchet. Molly was, Hatchet was another one that came out of yeah. Jacksonville. You know who else came out of Jacksonville? Who's that? Red jumpsuit apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> And Limp Biscuit. <laughs> and Limp Biscuit. <laughs> but, Fred Durst. Hey, you know what? Um, I have a friend, and she's probably like 50. I have one of those. 54, 55 years old. Yeah. And she grew up in Jacksonville Beach. And she told me that she remembers when she was a teenager, she remembers driving down certain streets in Jacksonville Beach and listening to Molly Hatchet doing their, uh, their, their, their uh, what do you call, uh, practicing. Really? Yeah. Where at? Yeah. In Jacksonville Beach. Just 
I, I don't know. Down what, by exactly. the beach, boy. I don't. No, 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 no. They were in a neighborhood in Jacksonville Beach. Uh, you know, she was she was from Jacksonville Beach. Uh, you know, so she grew up there, and she knew exactly you know where to where to bicycle and skateboard down. Yeah. You know, back in the seventies, you know, the, the skateboards were coming around. Yeah, and, that was when rock and roll, I think, got a little bit more aggressive from the sixties because I think people got a little sick of hearing the uh, the hippie anti-war movement type shit yeah, man. of the Everybody 60s. Everybody was kind of over it. Okay, so peace, love, granola, but at the same time, make love, not war is cool, but... You know, yeah, this, it's a cool know, concept, let, but we let, want something a little bit different. We yeah, want something a little bit faster. Right, right. You know what I mean? A little bit more unique. Yeah. And then in comes then, fucking Zeppelin, like well, a they were also, crashing. They were also... Those, peop- those, those guys down in the 70s you know, were also battling the disco era. Oh, dude, that was a huge thing. So, like, kind of like today... You know, we're we're kind of like you know, uh, you, you always have those, those friends that wanted to go to the EDM shows, which is fine, you know. But it's a no, same it's t- really not. But it's it, but it's not to me. It's fine because <laughs> it does take talent. It does take talent to compose. To press play, yeah. No, <laughs> see, now you're getting. You're, I'm just playing devil's advocate aggressively. I understand press play because I've said that before too. But no, they have to compose that stuff. I dude. get it. I get it. It's like having it's like Beethoven of, of course. Of the 21st if it was century. super easy, anybody could do it. And I exactly. I've it's, never. I don't they are cla- they're composers. They're they're composers. Yeah, I get it. So you, I mean, I don't know about disco. Disco was mostly bands that had just like you know the, the, those driven bass lines and yeah. Rod Stewart, you know, kind of like latched onto the a lot of that stuff. He did, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. Yeah. If you want my body, yeah. And you think I'm sexy. How did he go from Maggie May to boom, that? Because Maggie May was beautiful. Oh, that well, was a great well, fucking. He song. He has great songs. Yeah. Even fucking from the '80s when he had Legal Eagles soundtrack. <laughs> you know, there there was a song that he wrote for that. It was, sounded great. But like. I don't know, Kristen, my wife, she brought me back. She was in Tennessee visiting some friends not too long ago. And she brought me back a greatest hit uh, Rod Stewart record, right? Because I have the, the Maggie Mae record. I have that record, and it's great. But he, she brought me home a greatest hits record. And, and we're listening to it, and it'll jump from, you know, Maggie Mae to that. To the... The driven bass, the disco bass line. Yeah. And I think that was just that, was just that experimental thing. But you know what? He was just trying, I think, to, to, to go with the flow. He was trying to, to, to be current. You know, there's a lot of bands that do that today. Like, look at Tom Morello at his set that we yeah. saw. You know, he has to incorporate bass well, nectar, you know, which is totally idiot. They want people to listen to him, obviously. Exactly. You know what I mean? They, they want to get people from other genres to go, yeah. holy shit, that guy Tom Morello is fucking bad. And maybe we're just being nostalgic in a sense of like, maybe are we stuck in our ways, you think? I, I'm not because I no? like EDM. You're progressive. I do. You're very I, progressive. I do person. like a lot of different. The only one type of music i really don't like is country um, country and there's a lot of rap songs that i'm not really care for you know no. i just think that's kind of like idiocracy a little bit protruding cleavon yeah cleavon having way too many fucking kids yeah i think mike judge yeah. was on was on something in that movie yeah <laughs> but but it's funny you should mention the disco stuff too because i i actually was watching a couple documentaries and i ended up reading a little bit more about it the 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 rock genre and the disco genre they used to like f- like physically war like there yeah, was a oh time yeah. i forget there was this huge pro like disco protest it was oh, in like yeah. a soccer field there was like tens of thousands of people there and they were like exploding boxes of stolen disco records yeah. and they're like seriously and they're like this is fucking horseshit uh-huh. you know what i mean like this is absolute fucking horseshit yeah, we mean, don't want this going back to that 70s show same thing happens in that damn sitcom. You know, they're, they're constantly talking about, you know, oh, let's go to the discotheque. Disco? Disco's dead. Who wants to go to a discotheque? Well, you know, I'm into ACDC right now. You know, not, right. you know, I'm, into, I'm listening to Led Zeppelin. Forget the freaking Disco Inferno. Right. You know? Right. But yeah, so like, 
I don't know. I feel like the last little peg, we talked about the anti-war movement kind of fizzling out into something different. And I think the last peg of that was, was really uh, John Lennon. I feel like once he, once he passed, like, mm-hmm. however he passed, yeah. I think, you know, because when he came out with Imagine, that was a fucking, that was a gorgeous masterpiece. Oh, you know? yeah. Imagine was fucking oh, fantastic. Yeah. But I think, I think that sort of started fizzling out with him because the 70s was very, it was very progressive for like, you can notice like it very significant style changes in music as it went on. Do you know who I wish I was in the mid to late 70s? Oh. I wish I was Chevy Chase. Or anybody for, from Saturday Night Live because they had all the major artists. Dude, Chevy Chase has crazy stories, bro. Chevy Chase has a story where he was at college and Bob Dylan came and he was like almost an unknown at the time. And he came to his their 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 college campus yeah. and performed in front of like the, all their dorms and crap. And then he had nowhere to go that night. And so what, what did Chevy Chase say? You can come sleep with me in my room. Not only sleep in, in his room. They slept in the same bed together. What? They shared a bed because there was nowhere else for Bob to sleep that night. He also, Chevy also has stories where he became really good friends with John and Yoko in New York City. And right before he died, he remembers he remembered going for a walk with them the morning before he, you know, he he was shot. Yeah. And you know, the next morning, he got shot. So it's pretty sick, you know. Chevy Chase, you know, and all those guys, Bill Murray, all those guys. Yeah, you know, they they were innocent bystanders in an ever progressing chaotic world. Right. Well, not so much. I, I shouldn't say Bill Murray because Bill Murray, excuse me, kind of replaced Chevy Chase on the SNL front. Yeah. You know, when when they did Caddyshack, I don't know if you know, but oh, when, yeah. when when those guys did Caddyshack, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase did not get along. They hated each really? other. Really? They did. They hated each other. And wow. uh, well, not each other. I would say more it was Chevy hating yeah. on Bill because he was his replacement on, on SNL. Yeah. But um, yeah, so. Wow, and then Rodney Dangerfield had a had a story too about Caddyshack, where where he was uh, he was sleeping in his hotel room, and and Bill Murray knocked knocked on his door and said, "Hey, Rodney, you got you got any pot in there?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, come on in, guys. Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. It's right on the table. Go ahead and grab it." And he grabbed it, and it was just a bunch of sticks and sticks and seeds, and you know, oh, <laughs> it was a joke that Rodney. Shithead. I love fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, Rod, have you ever seen the movie Easy Money? I don't know if I have. You need to watch Easy Money, dude. Yeah? It's, it's one of the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen. See, and that's cool, too, because back, back then with the movies, you could tell. Like, nowadays, movies are great. You know, obviously, technology's progressed yeah, and all yeah. these kind of things. But the test audiences. Right, right, right. Back then, you all. could tell, like, you could tell those fucking movies were raw, and they were having fun. Mm-hmm. Like, there was definitely some liquor going on. There was definitely some drugs going on. Like, those oh, fuckers were having Chevy fun Chase recording those movies. Chevy that there was cocaine beyond all all stuff going on in Caddyshack the entire oh, sure. time. That's, of the, it that's, was, it was that's before they knew it was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And they were just blowing shit up their nose like fucking whippets, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, like, they right. were just crushing coke all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. You know? But yeah, that was one of the things like I was talking about with the 70s. The, the, the progression of different movements and the progression of different genres going through there except for there is one one little ambiguous well actually two i would say elton john mm-hmm. and there was this one other little ambiguous band that came out in the mid 70s that Who really changed that everything not changed everything but really brought a new light and they got shit on for a long time and that would be a little band called queen mm. queen in mm. bohemian rhapsody that operatic 
power. Now everybody knows from watching the movie. Oh yeah, you got yeah. a ton of shit from the from the record guys. They didn't want to produce that song. They didn't want to produce that album. Well, I mean, there was a big. It, it was a other than the obvious fact of people are afraid of of difference. You know, people are afraid of change. You know, that was a very operatic song, and that's that's like you can see from the movie. That's what they were going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were going. I think they're, they the actual they, album. they were progressive. They knew they had a hit. But yeah. the, the, the people that were producing them were like, you know, kind of like stuck in the past. Yeah. And they were kind of like, no, that's not going to have a, the good, the good, uh, you know, the good turnaround. And, yeah, I'm not going to be able to, have, you know, be, be able to. Produce well, they weren't that. shooting for singles, you know. And I think the actual out, name of the album was a well, night at the also, opera. Also, what was it like, you know, 14 minutes? Is the song six? Is, <laughs> what is it? The mo- the song? Bohemian Rhapsody? It's only six minutes. Yeah, it was only six minutes. Oh, can't be. Oh, because back in those days, they were worried about radio play. Yeah, they yeah. were. That's that was the big thing. Yeah, they were like, yeah. we're not going to play a fucking you, six you, minute you song can't on the go radio. Over, I think three and a half minutes. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know. Um, and so the, I feel like that was that was one of the more unique bands in that. And in, 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 in as far as shock value, because you oh, know, yeah. you know, you had your arena rockers that were, you know, Sticks and Boston, all the geographical bands, Europe, Asia, all I mean, that. For bullshit. God's sakes, you're talking about stadium rock. Queen is like, you know, every high school in America during a football game has Queen playing at least once a game. Right, you know? right. But that was that was a shock. Yeah. You know, because Freddie Mercury. That, speaking of powerful voices, I mean, fuck, dude. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. honest to God, like that guy. And I think they mentioned something in the movie too about his teeth. Yeah, something about his teeth, mm-hmm. like voc- like projected his voice a little bit stronger. But anyway, yeah, so yeah. so yeah, that album that album came out in '76. That was a fucking absolutely so that was, beautiful that was, album. That was their first album in '76. I think so. Yeah. So when did Elton come out? Elton Elton was earlier. Elton yeah, Elton was a lot earlier because I know Madman Across the Water, which is my favorite El- Elton album, that came out in '71. So he kind of had no like he had fear because he was you know the first kind of like. Yeah, rock band guy. But, yeah, but well, he wasn't out until later on too. But no, but everybody kind of knew. Everybody kind of knew when Bohemian came out. It was like ah, when okay, you got this, that one friend. This like, guy yeah. is a little, uh, you know, that one, that one friend with the really light feminine voice. His name's Mark. You know, you know, twinkle, you just know when that you know. That guy's a twinkle toes over there. <laughs> you just, you just know when you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, those guys were fantastic. Obviously, mm. Brian May, all yes. those cats. You know, but also, yeah, we need to talk about Zeppelin. We need to talk about Zeppelin. Zeppelin was ahead of their time. I mean, yeah. let's look at all the you know like we like we said last week. You know, they were they were doing like Lord of the Rings type stuff in their lyrics. They were doing backwards devil music in their in their music. So so life, man. Yeah. See, they caught a lot of shit though, man, because but they were just doing it for fun. They were, and they changed the game in the sense of producing the songs, the the hardcore guitar solos from Jimmy Page. You know what I mean? Like he that Stairway to Heaven guitar solo. Like even even nowadays, there's been such a stigma because they've played that song eighty fucking billion times, and people are like, you know, even in guitar center, but, they say no stairway. You know, and but that that's us talking about that. Could you imagine being in the seventies oh, where they, yeah. they play that shit like every other song on repeat? That's what I'm saying. There's a stigma behind that, but still, like a lot of the times. Well, when I, you know, this we're talking about Leonard Skinner with Sweet Home Alabama. There's also kind of that same you know, you know Freebird you know type stigma. Yeah, exactly. And but even so, like. When when I want to listen to Stairway, a lot of the times, I'll take it and I'll fast forward it to the guitar solo. You know, yeah, like, I don't blame and you. And when we wind on down the road, I mean, Hotel California is the kind of the same way for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big Eagles fan. That was that yeah. was that were the pioneers of that Southern rock movement. Them and the Almond Brothers, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not huge on the Eagles stuff, but but see what I mean is uh, Zeppelin was they used to catch a lot of shit because a lot of their music is I wouldn't say they copied people, but they. 
they copied people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Muddy Waters. Whole lot of love? Go listen to fucking Muddy Waters. You Need Love. I think, yeah, it's a Muddy Waters song. It's called You Need Love. Go go listen to that song and then listen to Whole Lot of Love. But so what, man? Muddy Waters didn't make it mainstream. So they were just taking it to the next level. I mean, look at Electric fucking, Avenue. Look take fucking, it to the next level, Holmes. Yeah, but look at a band called, this in this day and age, called Greta Van Fleet. Oh, who, boy. When we're asked about having, you know, any kind of like Zeppelin, you know, um, you know, you know, Roots. Roots. They're saying, no, no. Bullshit. Because their manager and their record companies are telling them. Deny, deny, deny. Because then then Zeppelin's going to come in and they're going to say, oh, you stole this riff or you stole this this vocal, you know, uh, harmony from us. And yeah, dude, I I would not give a penny to see Greta Van Fleet. To me, they're a Zeppelin cover band that that just went (sighs) off onto onto their own deal, which is cool. But at the same time, they're not going to be anything near ever Led Zeppelin status. Well, no, I mean because they're a copycat, and I think they'll probably fizzle out too. Of course, they'll probably I mean, fizzle so out. So did Zeppelin after you know, you know, after Bonham did, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm also not a huge fan of John Paul Jones either. Wow. He was a, he was a good bassist, but he was of, just hey, a studio bassist. Did you ever bassist. hear uh, John Paul Jones in a, a band called Them Crooked Vultures? Yeah. Oh my God, with uh, yeah. Josh Homme as, as as the lead singer, and yeah. they had uh, John Bonham Jr. as a drummer. I forget who the other. Uh, he still tours. John Bonham Jr. is coming here to Jacksonville. I don't care. Uh, but that that one album. I don't care. That one album from three, <laughs> three or them Crooked Vultures was so kick ass. Was it? Oh, dude, it was insanely good. I'm gonna have to check that you out. You need to check that out. There's just one super group album by them. But uh, oh, speaking of albums, we have a uh, album of the week that we uh, we were gonna review. And this week it was the Raconteurs' new album. That's right, the Raconteurs' "Help Us Stranger." That was a that was a pretty good album. What did you I, think overall? I thought it had a, a great tone. You know, I think Jack White, you know, did did his normal Jack Whitey type, you know, music. He's got that old janky p- piano riffs, and which I love. I love his 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 old like you know like piano teacher. You know, piano is it ain't like some eight thousand dollar piano he's playing on. You know, it's probably like a three hundred dollar piano, which it sounds like three hundred dollar piano. But that's what that's what I like about it. And yeah. then don't forget in, in that album they had a whole bunch of these uh, these these old blues riffs. In the well, that's what that's what I loved about I it the most. That. I remember we I spoke a little bit back Jack and forth. White, he's big on those old time blues guys. You know, yeah, forty fives. You know, and I think I think we went we talked a little bit offline about that and. There was a couple songs that I loved. Uh, the one that you liked, actually, the "Shine the Light on Me." Yeah. Some days it was a it was a Pink Floridian type. Yeah. Yes, type, and that's that's sound. what I picked up on it. I mean, I was like, that's why Mark loves it. But even still, you know, well, I'm not saying I, it was I sense great. a lot of the Beatles, you know, in that. Yeah. Album. You, well, know, you... you know, the it did, it did have a lot of Beatles esque moments too. Yeah. But overall, I I thought it was a pretty good album. I I would you know I wouldn't you know run out to, 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 to buy and play on repeat or anything, but it's definitely, uh, you know, I would, I would, worth I, a listen. I would go see the Rocketeurs, you know, yeah. on, on tour this year for sure. Well, and, and the thing with me too is, is you hit the nail on the head for me with the Rocketeurs because a lot of times, like, I have to be in the mood for Jack White. He is an absolutely amazing musician. Mm. He really is, and his songwriting ability is insane. I'm telling you right now, if you've ever seen him live, he's amazing live. Oh, yeah. yeah. But for me, I loved that he brought in a little bit of a softer melodic. For him, I say softer melodic. It's not a soft melodic album. But it's softer and more melodic with a little bit of blues undertones for him, 
right? Because Zach White, or yeah, uh, Jack White, he is he's known for being a little chaotic. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's very chaotic. But he's not going to bring out his true chaotic chaos theories because he this is the rocketeurs this isn't his solo album this right. isn't white stripes this this is this, this is just you know those guys and those guys have a specific there was there was uh an itunes an, or an apple music i should say there was two versions of the album yeah. you can listen to you can listen to the the one where it's just a straight album or you can listen to with the commentary the commentary with jack yeah. white has about 30 seconds before you know a couple songs and stuff and he was saying like a lot of these songs were you know instrumental and, yeah, and like he, they didn't have words for for years, and, and yeah. so like you know they're they're just now putting words to these songs that yeah. they've had in their their rocketeurs library. Yeah, I really I really really enjoyed this album. I did uh, that song. Now that you're gone, that's my favorite one. I love the double vocals. I love the bluesy undertones. It's it's crisp. It's it's almost I hate to say the word, but it's hip. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, okay. it's very it's a very groovy album. It's a very cool album. So if you guys uh, want something new, something new for your nightstand, something new for your CD player, Rack and Tours. If CD you, player. Yeah. If, oh my god, you're old. I know. If you <laughs> if you like shit like Royal Blood and obviously Rain Wolf, if you motherfuckers haven't listened to Rain Wolf, turn this fucking podcast off. Go to Apple Music, iTunes, your local record store fucking in your backyard and send smoke signals up. You need to listen to Rain Wolf. You know, next month we're going to be uh Talking about Tool and their new album. Oh, sweet mama. Probably September, because I think it doesn't come out until the end of the Yeah, and Maynard, Maynard makes sure we have to go buy that motherfucker. Then we'll be talking about CD, because... Yeah, because we got to have one. The have, first one I've bought in um, years. Um, or unless, you can listen on, you can listen to it on, on YouTube <laughs> the uh. next day. <laughs> just for FYI, guys. Yeah. Oh, and, and everybody, everybody remember, uh, Slipknot's coming out with a new album as well, mm-hmm. August 9th. Yeah. They're yeah. coming out with a new. Well, album. they already have their first two tracks out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so oh, we gotta before we finish up with the seventies, we gotta talk about the Doors. Oh, the Doors. We touched on a little bit of Doors, Man, and you I'll going say, and I'll pissing on Jimmy's head. But do you know what got me into the Doors? What's that? Okay, so when I was about sixteen, the movie came out with Val Kilmer. Yeah, and I was front row, and I went and saw that bitch like four times. I never saw a movie four times in my life. Yeah, and I, I went and saw that movie four fucking times because yeah. I fell in love with. The group and the music yeah. through that movie, through Oliver Stone's The Doors movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think that, that 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 movie has to get some due credit where it's due because... Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that, that movie was such a great movie. And they also got a lot of... Uh... Uh, they also got a lot of good press for that movie for it actually being historically accurate. Really? Yeah. You know, another funny fact, I was a senior in high school and I had a shitty, shitty history teacher. Yeah. And so for my senior year uh, history report, I wrote pretty much the movie, The Doors, from memory for my report, and I got an A+. Plus. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Really? From beginning to end. That's sick. Like four or five pages. Yeah. Done. Thanks. And see, another thing that I loved about The Doors is Ray Manzarek. Like, I love I love uh, good keyboarding, too. Oh, man. Like Emerson from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah. You know, Ray Manzarek. They were all... They were, they were all... Or Richard Wright from Floyd. That's right. Rick Wright from Floyd. All very, very good keyboard players. And that's something to be said, too, because it's. I think that's a difficult... Because especially back in that time, they didn't have a ton of, like, super advanced synthesizers or mixing boards or anything mm-hmm. like that. They actually had to sit there and, like... Or, like, Pete Townsend from, uh, from you know, Teenage Wasteland, Bob O'Reilly. That was crazy. That yeah. was good shit, right? I mean, or Rush. Rush is Rush. another one. Absolutely. So I, I really love Ray Manzarek and obviously, you know, Jim Morrison. You know, obviously he was he was a crazy, deep brooding poet. I, I'm a yeah. sucker for those two. Yeah. Deep brooding poetic singers. And there's been he there's nothing that sounds like him. I love that part when 
in the movie where, where he's like, hey, he's talking to Andy Warhol. Hey, Jim, with this phone. Yeah, somebody you, gave it to me. You could talk to God with it. <laughs> and I thought maybe you, you would use it. it or you would want uh, it. Yeah, whatever. He said. Yeah, Ray, uh, they, uh, Andy Warhol, he gets portrayed in a lot of shit. You ever watch that uh, that HBO series but Vinyl? Kristen Glover is spot on with, oh, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. That, with that, you know, Andy Warhol. Did you ever see that? The that's If you guys are really into the 70s and 60s rock movement too, um, there's a series on HBO called Vinyl. Uh, have you seen that one, Mark? Yeah, been... it, dude, it's really, really good. It's a, uh, it's a, it's all set in place in New York City, and it's about a, um, a record, uh, record producer. Okay. And in his business, and they're going like they, they, the scene opens up with them going to see the New York Dolls, and mm. he's like kind of down on his luck, recovering coke addict, whatever, and mm. he's trying to sign Zeppelin, and the Zeppelin deal follows through, and all yeah. these kind of things. It's really cool, and it's a really neat portrayal on how the '70s was. See, I did see a documentary about how uh, Andy Warhol was shot. And it was uh, oh. one of his his like followers slash workers for his art gallery, and she kind of joined this like you know uh, anti man you know feminist movement right. back then. Yeah, and she just thought Andy was treating her like shit, and that's why she brought a gun into his studio and you know tried to you know off him there. I'm not not I'm not sure how he died. I think he did die from from that. Oh, I don't know. The gunshot wound from her. I don't know. Yeah. So. Uh, but, uh, Him yeah. and his weird cartoony banana That's art. That's why he was like he was so bossy and just ordering everybody around. Hey man, when you're a visionary and you want something certain a certain way in your own head, I mean, oh, look at was, all the greats. Look at Roger Waters. Icon. Roger Waters and Gene Simmons. Icon. Those motherfuckers are some of the biggest divas in rock history. I fucking hate fucking uh, what's his face? Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Oh, oh yeah, he's God. a prick. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but he just he just seems like a shithead. You know, for the past thirty years, he was always like anti, you know, pot, which is fine. You know, if you, you have to stand. But now, I just read yesterday, he's starting his own uh, dispensary. Well, yeah, because it's profitable, dude. It, it, fucking asshole. Yeah, it's I mean, profitable. if you don't believe in it, then fuck you. But yeah, whatever. well, you know, you know, he's gonna go where the money is. Look at him. Yeah, yeah, I understand that, but you know, whatever. Uh, don't even get me started with him. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was never a big Kiss fan anyway. I never no. Detroit Rock City. Well, and also somebody we haven't talked a whole lot about either is Pink Floyd. Floyd's the reason I started playing guitar. David Gilmore. David Gilmore. David Gilmore is God to me. I mean, him and yeah. Eric Clapton and Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, top three. For, I think for sure. I think Gilmore's in my top three. Oh, dude, Gilmore for sure. Dwayne Allman's in there in my top three as well. Really? Though. Yeah, Dwayne mm-hmm. Allman. Okay. He's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Like. Okay. He and Randy Rhodes. It's probably oh, my top three. It's David Darrell for me too, man. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I had a friend, or I have a friend of a friend who uh, today, as a matter of fact, was at the gravesite for Vinnie Paul and Dimebag Darrell. They're wow. buried next to each other. Where was that at? Uh, I want to say where they're from. I'm not sure, Virginia, Tennessee. I'm not sure. Don't quote me because I'm not sure. But I was told. Don't quote me, boy. I, ain't I said was, shit. I was told today where it was, and I forgot already. So that's that's, <laughs> that's how I am. That's, that's that's, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at these days. <laughs> that's where I'm at <laughs> yeah. these days. So anyway, we don't have a whole lot of time, guys. We're on reel to reel, similar to Sound City, only not so Sound City. We're on reel to reel here at uh, where we're recording. Sound shitty. Sound yeah. We're, <laughs> we're at Sound Shitty. Uh, so we'll we'll wrap it up a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more as the transition from the the 70s into the 80s next week. Definitely. Um, but like you like I was saying, you can see the transitions from your you know your John Lennon's, your Elton Johns, your your, your Leonard Skinner Zeppelins of the early. 70s to your patty smith queens and and, and ramones into the mid 70s Sabbath was in there soon. You know, of course sabbath was you, you, a we can't name everybody we can't name there's everybody just too many and there's some guy some fucking asshole on the other end of this microphone that's going no you didn't fucking talk about crosby stills and nash motherfucker. <laughs> you don't know dick about dicks right, right you know but 
we can't hit everybody, but and then you can obviously see the late seventies, which is going to what we're what we're going to move into next week. You've got the Clash, the Talking Heads, Sex Pistols, Fleetwood Mac. You know, came and out. We'll, with we'll dive a little bit more into the Pink Floyd. You know, uh, well, yeah, they were they they broke into the late seventies and eighties as oh, well. The Wall yeah. came out the, in late the seventies. Yeah, like the the Division Bell came out in the eighties. Right, right, right. Or what's in the nineties? It was the nineties. One of them. <laughs> we, will, we will get back to you on that but we will get back to you on that so um, speaking of that I just got to say my little piece you know rest in peace Sid Barrett I'm sorry you lost your fucking mind but you were the basis for a lot of really good songs so shine on you crazy hey, at least he died of natural causes and it wasn't some kind of crazy you know OD or whatever yeah whatever but <laughs> anywho hey so- without Sid Barrett we wouldn't have a lot of the Pink Floyd. Oh, for sure. Any of the Pink Floyd albums that we for know sure. today. So. Yeah, so thank you for that little freak out, man. Yeah, thanks, you acid deranged lunatic. All right. But anyway, so um, if you guys uh, would do us a giant favor and go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, let us know how good we're doing, how bad we're doing, how much we suck, how much you hate us, how much you love us, that would be fantastic. And as always, go to our Facebook page. At Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping. And if you have any ideas for the show, please email me at willywhitebread69 at gmail.com. Also, oh boy. I was thinking. Ooh, there's an we, alibi. There's we, a mulligan. We could, we could also have somebody who, who emails us if they would like to be a guest speaker on the show. Uh, yeah, if you're here in the Jacksonville area and you, uh, you want to talk... On the show, if you want to come and hang out with us for a little bit and chit chat, matter. I mean, they could be in Australia as long as I come in our oh, time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Come, <laughs> yeah. come in in our time on the show. We can uh, voice you in from anywhere. So if you guys are interested in that, go ahead and uh, drop us a line, and we'll get back to you. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you have a fucking great Fourth of July weekend. Go blow shit up and get drunk, you fucking mongrels. Deuces. <laughs>